Welcome to another episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me with me, Raymond Nakamura. And me, Carolyn Nakagawa. Now today we're dealing with a festive subject. Mm-hmm. This time I thought it'd be nice for us to talk about Obon, since Obon happens in the summer and it's going to be summer when you hear this. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in an Obon festival? I don't think I've been to a festival, but I have been to the church service in the Vancouver Buddhist Temple. Uh-huh. I went to my grandmother's Hatsubon service a few years ago, so the first year after she died. Right. There's a special service for all the families who have lost someone in the last year. Uh-huh. I see. Well, apparently the uh, Obon has been taking place in Japan since 657 of the Common Era. Wow. I couldn't find out who did the first one. That's a long time ago that they started doing them. And uh, it's supposed to be an abbreviated form of this word, Urabon, which is the Japanese pronunciation of Urambana Sutra. Oh, yeah, so uh, Urambana means hung upside down in Sanskrit. So, really? Yeah, so... Well, I, I don't see the connection. You'll have to explain that to me. Yeah, well, there's this interesting story about how this started. And hanging upside down, well, this is before they had gravity boots, so it was considered <laughs> a bad thing. It relates to suffering, the idea of suffering. Okay, do we have gravity boots now? Uh, Did I miss something? Oh, the well, there, there, <laughs> there, was a, there was an era, there was a period of time where people would hang upside down with these boots from a bar, and then that was to straighten out your spine oh i missed that and, yeah okay i missed the future okay all right yeah <laughs> anyway hanging anyway, upside down yes mean, hanging upside down. yeah so there, there's this story that relates to a character whose sanskrit name is Madgalyayana. i think i approximated that doing your and best with the pronunciation in, in japanese it's mokuren or mokori a and so bit easier yeah a little bit easier they're good at shortening things yeah making things simpler yeah so he was one of the buddha's disciples okay and apparently was the best at occult power so he had these supernatural skills and he used them to find out how his mother was doing after she died and he was upset to find out that she was there's different ways of suffering according to the buddhist understanding in the afterlife so she was in this world of hunger and apparently it was because she had been kind of selfish in her lifetime and he was upset about this he wanted to help his mom out so he asked the buddha about what he should do and, and buddha recommended that he give offerings to the buddhist monks so this happened around the, the 15th day of the seventh month. Okay. And they, had, they apparently had the uh, summer retreat at that time. And mm-hmm. when they did this, the Buddhist monks, the community of monks is called the Sangha. And when he made these offerings, then the mother was released from this suffering. And so he was so happy that he started dancing around and subsequently continued on this kind of memorial service. Right. So I think that's interesting that it's always been a celebration. You think of Obon is a festival for the dead. So the Western equivalent would be Halloween, which yes, is all about right. the spirits know, spookiness. Back. I mean, modern Halloween isn't necessarily the most reverent thing. Yeah. That's but right. it's you know, it's about ghosts and creepy feelings and everything. But Obon is very celebratory and I think part of that is maybe that it's held in the summer or maybe, you know, chicken or egg. It's held in the summer because it's celebratory or because of the tradition of the, it's being in the seventh month, which is summer. Hmm. But it's a very different attitude towards acknowledging and remembering the dead than like All Souls Day where you are very somber, partly yes. because it's November, yes. but also because that's sort of the way that we're trained to think about it. Right. But in Obon, there's actually a lot of festive activities associated with it. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the American Buddhist website. And, right. and the they were Japanese American sort of tradition of Buddhism. Right. And they were the Jodo 
Jodo Shinshu, Shinshu, which is the kind of Buddhism that I think all Nikkei communities traditionally practice. So mm-hmm. in Canada as well, there's the Jodo Shinshu Buddhist temples. So it was interesting because they said that it's more about the gratitude to your ancestors right. rather than an actual belief in the dead coming back. Right, because that's just a superstition. Yeah, so they were yeah, dis- yeah trying to distance themselves mm-hmm. from that. But that is a widely held belief or superstition right, in yeah. Japan. Right, yeah, and it that, came from that, yeah. That is observed as part of the Omon Festival, mm-hmm. right? That's why you light the candle. Well, one of the things is there's supposed to be an opening from the underworld around that time. And then, uh, so the spirits are coming out, and then you have the fires around your house mm-hmm. that will guide them to the right place so you can have your greetings, and then you send them off again. So it's supposed mm-hmm. to be over a three-day period. I guess you have to be careful with that, though, in Japan, because of all the... Their houses are made of wood, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say about because of all the spirits wandering around. But... <laughs> well, that too. But, yeah. I mean, they're nice That's spirits, right. Yeah, that's right. Back. Yeah, yeah. And and having paper dividers and stuff. Yeah. like Their houses are like Tinder. Yeah. Um, so they so... have to be very careful, but they still yes. do it because it's important. Right. I guess it adds to the excitement. <laughs> but it, I had wondered when I was in Japan about often they tell ghost stories in the summertime, I've noticed. Yeah. And I had heard that it's because it gives you the chills and that helps you cool down. <laughs> But, but well, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that nobody else has thought about that that I know of. Yeah, but I realize now that maybe it's connected to Obon, oh, the, the idea of I think so. So they have the Obon. We mentioned that in the original, it's related to this time period of the seventh month and, and the 15th day. Mm-hmm. Um, but subsequently, because of the difference in calendars. Right, because th- the traditional Japanese calendar was what, is lunar-based. There's okay. lunar, yeah, that's right. So the oldest form is that uh, it would be the seventh month month and the, the 15th day mm-hmm. but because it's lunar it's going to change all the time according mm-hmm. to our calendar there are still some places in japan including okinawa that follows obon that way mm-hmm. and then there's kind of a modified lunar calendar which approximates it by putting it in the middle of august mm-hmm. so that i think you mentioned the hachigatsubon right. so that's in august so that's slightly more traditional and a lot of japan follows that that mm-hmm. tends to be the busiest time where people are going back to their homes their traditional homes and, and mm-hmm. paying respects and then there's sort of the more modern version in the middle of july mm-hmm. following the solar calendar of okay. it being the seventh so they month just take the, the seven and the 15 mm-hmm. they don't worry about right yeah 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 and so that apparently is in uh, tokyo and yokohama all right so and, more urban sort of yeah sort of modern no time to deal with this old calendar nonsense (laughs) well it seems that uh they adopted the gregorian during the meiji era right so that's sometime between 1868 and 1912 Mm -hmm. so i realized that my grandparents would have been in this transition of going from one calendar to another right and that calendar was really different i think it was six days weeks Oh, is that right? I, I never I, quite figured it out when I was in Japan, but the Japanese calendars sometimes still have like the the names of the old days of the weeks. And, oh, I so see. So you can keep track of the the old calendar as well. And there's su- certain things like there's one that's I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the character for friend and the character for pull. And you're not supposed to have a funeral on that day of the week because you might pull your friends with you. Oh. So there, there's like well, conversely... lingering c- conventions based on the old calendar. Although I never figured out any more than the fact that it was a six-day week about it. Another thing I noticed on Japanese calendars was Mm -hmm. there were certain more auspicious days. Mm -hmm. And so if it were a Saturday in the summertime and an auspicious day, everybody would want to get married on that day. Yeah. 
So, I think that's related. It's like there's certain good days for weddings. And yeah, it's like so it's, it's interesting how their regular standard calendars seem to have this superimposition of the lunar mm -hmm. traditions. They still, still do embedded. keep track of it for, for traditional things or really important events like weddings and funerals. Mm -hmm. I guess now they probably have an app for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would make it easier. Yeah. Yeah, but I always wondered about Obon because it's always like, oh, it's in July, but it's in August. And my family is Buddhist, but we're kind of lap Buddhists who don't know anything about Buddhism, unfortunately. So I know that the, the Vancouver Buddhist temple does their service, their Obon service in July. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other places, even in Canada, there's not really a consensus about what to do. I think Toronto does their sort of Obon festival in July, but the Vancouver Island Obon tour of the graves on Vancouver Island happens in August. From what I can tell, it's kind of just like whatever, whoever is planning it wants to do. An excuse to have a festival. Yeah, I mean, the weather's good in July and August, so... Mm -hmm. I don't mind either way. <laughs> right. I'm just realizing as we talk, my wedding anniversary is July 15th, which oh. is interesting to think about if that's when the gates of the underworld are open. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something that you do want on the friend's whole day of the yeah. week because you can pull yeah, your friends with yeah, you to marriage. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of the customs as well, it seems like it varies from region to region and at different time periods. Yes. In Japan and also in Canada, there's mm -hmm. been a lot of variations. Mm -hmm. And the traditional way involves three days of these celebrations or rituals that are involved. And some of it is at the beginning for those who are believing in the spirits to mm -hmm. guide the spirits back to their home so they, they so have a fire. fire. Yeah, mm -hmm. a, a mukayabi. So mukaya being related to coming home. Mm -hmm. um, and then B means fire. Right, right, yeah. The form of fire. And they sometimes call them chochin, the lanterns that were used oh, okay. at that time. For some reason, there didn't seem to be a lot of information on what they did on day two, but I guess it's a lot of home things. There's there's sort of this quiet because element everyone goes it. because it's traditional to go back to the home the village, graves, yeah, and the graves and... to go to your family tombstone mm -hmm. in the home village, mm -hmm. and the tradition of, of cleaning right cleaning the graves. I realize now my own family because my grandfather was Buddhist mm -hmm. that we did that even though we weren't practicing Buddhist mm -hmm. when we went to visit the grave that we were cleaning off the, the stone and I. I also realized that my Chinese in-laws mm -hmm. do that sort of thing at certain times oh, really? of the year as well. Yeah, the, just like gives this idea of paying respects to ancestors. Yeah, well, I think it's a nice practice, even if you don't necessarily follow everything about Buddhism or necessarily know about it. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. about remembering your ancestors, especially your parents, who are the ones that you know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. your parents and grandparents, the ones that you knew. Right. And then having offerings of other food related mm -hmm. to that original story of having it for the monks as a form of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Gratitude for people place. giving you life. So it's not about so much like being sad that someone has died. Yes. And how about you miss them, but more just about being grateful that they were there and for what they gave you when mm -hmm. they were here. Mm -hmm. I read one Buddhist reverend saying something that it's about all of your ancestors. If you think about, you know, the, the millions and billions of people who went into making you several generations back. Mm-hmm. And just expressing gratitude for everyone who led to you being able to exist here today. Mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming, I guess, but it's... Yeah. it's uh... think about billions of ancestors. That's an awful lot. Yes. Um, I think the billions of ancestors figure came from going back 
just 30 generations. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You did the calculation. So if things are going badly, maybe you blame them as well. But I, it's but, supposed but, to be gratitude. But Opal and you want to celebrate yeah, because right. it's summer and it's nice outside. All right. Uh, and then on the third day seems to be when they're having more of the larger scale festivals. Okay. Involving the lanterns and they put them on the rivers. You might see the images of that. Right. That's where you send the spirits back, right? Right, you're, right. You're sort of guiding them, them away from the houses yes. with the lanterns on yes. the little Nice boats. to see you. Uh, we'll see you again yeah. next year. Yeah. And in Nagasaki, they have a version where instead of the lanterns being on a river, they build them like floats. Oh. So they have lanterns around the outside, and then usually there's pictures of the person, mm -hmm. either who has passed away in the in the recent year or previously and probably there's family crests on the lanterns and things so they have this big procession through the street and i went there one time because i was living near nagasaki and it's just non-stop firecrackers the whole time oh. and uh it's just <laughs> people yes. just firing off firecrackers and then, it, then they're parading through the street oh, wow. so when they're finished it's carpeted with the shreds of firecrackers and you can smell the, <laughs> the it in the air and... yeah yeah, and I didn't have a place to stay, so I actually slept on a bench overnight oh. um, by the train station there. Did the spirits keep you company? Were they already gone? <laughs> I, I didn't meet any, fortunately, but um, <laughs> there were the spirits that cleaned up all of those wrappings so that by the morning, streets were clean. Wow. <laughs> and they used to put the boats, the floats, into the water, mm -hmm. into Nagasaki Bay, but it became a concern of pollution that you're just dumping all this stuff in there. So right, they, and then where they stopped they doing that. Yeah, mm. it's an interesting problem of of scale when you have it becomes too popular too big that, mm -hmm. that you have this impact that you can't deal with so there's in addition to the firecrackers there's the drums and the gongs going on and it's it's wow. kind of cacophony yeah, yeah you can't really talk to anybody because it's, it's that noise it's you're, a party you're sort of there. yeah it's a celebration so. yeah i think it's interesting that obon has actually quite a strong presence in japanese canadian culture mm -hmm. because of course there's buddhist temples in canada and you know buddhist temples where the japanese canadian community are the main part of the congregation but obon seems like the one time when it's really visible as like a Buddhist practice. Mm. And I wonder because this is something that I've noticed that the Vancouver Buddhist Temple certainly at some point in my childhood was called the Vancouver Buddhist Church. Mm -hmm. And we call the priest, we call him Reverend so-and-so. Mm -hmm. And I think actually the Vancouver Reverend actually became a bishop recently. But the Buddhist Temple has a bishop. So it's like the Buddhist practices have been using language that we associate more with Christianity. Yes. And that's because it dated from a time when, you know, in the early 20th century, it sort of just kind of all melded together and people were becoming Christian to be westernized and people were here, so they were westernized and they sort of used the English words, yes. which were Christian words. Yes. At least that's what I think was happening to describe Buddhism in English. And making it seem more familiar and more comfortable. Yeah. Because I know that even the, the Steveston Buddhist temple now mm -hmm. went through this issue where they had to change their sign well mm -hmm. they decided to change their sign mm -hmm. from church to temple right because i remember as a kid when we went to the toronto buddhist church mm -hmm. i wondered about that later on when i was studying japanese mm -hmm. why it's supposed to be called a temple and they yeah. call it a church yeah and the american website still calls it the buddhist churches mm -hmm. of america and mm -hmm. you can imagine this the christian pressure in the States being even stronger, Probably, that, yeah. that they maintain that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I guess the one in Vancouver does call itself a temple, right? Now, but I'm sure that I remember noticing before that it was called a church, so I'm not yes. sure when they changed yes. their name. Well, I think there is still a sign, one of the information signs on there somewhere mm -hmm. still has church, but then right. their big one says temple. 
Right. So when I was reading about sort of the history of the Buddhist communities in Vancouver, Kanadachi says that, you know, there's lots of things that the sort of Canadian Buddhism has in common with Christianity because they were kind of trying to replicate the sort of community role that the Christian churches were having for the Christian Japanese mm-hmm. family, I think. Mm. So they ha- they started, you know, offering kindergarten, Sunday school, and I guess it's not normal for Buddhist temples to have pews, but the Vancouver one definitely does. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. And I guess there's like a hymn book. Like, I don't know if that's normal in Japan. Oh, I see. It is very similar to a church in that way, a Christian church. Right. Well, when you think of the big temples, there's just sort of open space. Right. In, in like Japan. the ones you go to as a tourist. Right. Yeah. There's just big open space mm-hmm. on the tatami and then you just sit on them. Right. That's right. That's an interesting yeah. aspect of it. Well, I guess people aren't used to sitting on the floor either. So. Right. That's true. But Obon is still, you know, there's nothing comparable to Obon in Christianity. So it has to be this very Buddhist thing. At least it seems mm. very Buddhist mm. to me because it's not like, you know, having a Christian wedding versus a Buddhist wedding. I mean, a wedding is a wedding. They're different, mm. but mm. it's also a similar idea behind it. But Obon is so distinctive and it's nothing like what anything you would do in Christianity to honor the dead. Mm. I guess Easter sort of has elements of death and rebirth. And, uh, and I, I know I mean, it's not sort of, really the same. It's in the spring though. Yeah. So and, and yeah, the timing of it is an issue. And you don't have a party. Yeah, yeah, the party aspect. It seems like, yeah, that the festival aspect of Obon seems to have evolved very naturally out of of the practice, just because you do have a ceremony where you think about the dead and do the incense offering. Mm -hmm. But after the quiet reflection of the ceremony, you dance and, you know, dancing summer, and then you put on a festival so that you can attract more people and be involved in the community in that way because it's summer and people want to have festivals. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently the dancing aspect of it is unique to Japanese Buddhism. Oh, really? So there's, uh, you know, but Buddhism... But it's in the other... original sutra. It is in the about. original sutra, but for whatever reason, the part that I saw is that uh, the odori was most developed in the Japanese tradition. Oh. And in the States, the first Bonodori wasn't done until 1931. Really? I was kind of surprised by that, but there may have been other influences taking place. Because I remember reading about the history of Steveston, how Mm -hmm. even though they had a lot of people who were practicing Buddhists, they didn't Mm -hmm. want to be conspicuously Buddhist. Yes. And so So there was actually controversy about establishing the Buddhist church slash temple in Mm -hmm. Steveston. Right. I remember that. Right. And so you can imagine there being similar issues that Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't want to be doing dance. You know, worshiping something. Yes, yes. I mean, you're not worshiping. You're just having a party. Right. You know. Right. (laughs) Nowadays, then, conversely, that's a way to to display it and show, you know, the multiculturalism. Yes, that's right. The acceptance of yeah, because I did notice when I was looking into different Buddhist organizations in Canada that most of them, when they were established, one of the first things they talk about is when the first Obon service was held. Oh. That's really like, seems to be some kind of marker for when a congregation has really been formed. They were substantial enough to... I guess, or even that that was like the first thing they did that really counted as a big event. Right. So that rather than just gathering in a group and talking about Buddhism or, you know, Mm -hmm. and also that the Odori is a big part of activity for Buddhist organizations, especially post-war. Bobon Odori is really big in Toronto, I've heard. I don't know if you participated in that when you were in Toronto, Raymond. I don't remember going to Obon Festival, Uh but I know my, my mother, she grew up studying Odori. And so I asked her about this, and she said she didn't recall actually participating in Obon on Powell Street before the war. 
-hmm. But sometimes at our family picnics and things, mm -hmm. then then we do <laughs> dori as part of a, a thing that we have yeah. in the summertime. And so, uh, there you go. So I have done things like that, dancing things like mm -hmm. that, and and when they have it at the cultural festival, and Plus, even outside of that, there seems to be a tradition of getting a whole bunch of people dancing. Yeah, I was in a different festival. It was in December mm -hmm. when I went to one in Japan where I got to join in wearing a happy coat with this procession. Oh, and nice. you just learn the moves by copying because they just do the right. same moves over and over. Right. And it's and, pretty simple. It's not like you need to like learn how to do a pirouette or anything. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're pretty forgiving, obviously. Yeah. And, and you're uh, not supposed to practice. Reverend Masao Kodani, who is a Japanese-American reverend, says that Bon Odori, it's a spiritual activity in which you, you just dance without fretting over how you look or showing off your ability. And you dance just as you are, like no, yeah, no showing off, mm -hmm. uh, no flaunting, no trying to look good. Um, and it's all together. It's everybody yeah, together. Yeah, everyone together. Right. Um, and he says, you know, a lot of people would actually probably prefer to practice before they dance in front of other people. But he compares that to rehearsing living before you go out and live in the real world. And then when you do that, you just end up watching life go by. So he says, just dance, just be in every moment, and you will feel true fulfillment and pure egoless joy. Hmm. So that's a very Buddhist outlook on things, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting way that we are able to sort of see a really very traditional part of Japanese culture. And even though Buddhism is from a lot, is practiced in a lot of countries, like you said, the dancing aspect of it is really distinctively Japanese. And there's actually um, at least a couple different special Canadian odori where the songs and the dances were choreographed specifically for Canadian dancers. Mm. Um, there's Canada Ondo, which has music and lyrics by Archie Nishihama and was choreographed by Irene Tsujimoto, and also a dance called Wonderful Canada with the song by Tsuchiya Tada and choreographed by Chiyoko Hirano. And these dances were performed in Expo 67 in Montreal, oh. as well as across Canada for the 1977 centennial oh, of Japanese Canadian. Huh. So it's really cool. You actually, I was looking through the archives in the museum, and uh -huh. I saw a few photos of different Obon dancers in Toronto and Montreal, oh, as well as in places in BC. I think Archie Nishihama? Yes. I think he was the principal of the Toronto Japanese School when I went there as oh. a kid. I could be wrong, but... He was a figure in the community. Mm. It's really neat. I mentioned it. I think it's interesting that we talk about how part of the Japanese tradition is that you go back to your hometown. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a lot of aspects of the Japanese Obon that don't seem to have quite made it over to the Japanese-Canadian mm. side. Like, I don't think I've heard of anyone lighting a candle in their window to welcome the spirits back mm. to their home. I mean, we don't have that same connection to living in the same house for many generations. Right, yes, yes, that's an interesting aspect. But even though... You know, Japanese Canadians obviously left their hometown and immigrated to Canada. So we had to establish our new hometowns. There is still that aspect of grave washing, mm. especially on Vancouver Island. Actually, in the 1950s, there was a Buddhist priest, Sensei Shinjo Ikuta, who started to visit Nikkei grave sites on Vancouver Island because all of the families who would have normally traditionally been washing the graves of their parents and ancestors mm -hmm. had been forcibly removed from the coast. Mm. So this Buddhist sensei took it upon himself to do that for the community to do return and tour the different grave sites and care for the graves. And that tradition is now carried on with the BC Jodo Shinshu Buddhist Temple organized a public tour where you can go to the different grave sites on Vancouver Island 
hmm. with Japanese Canadian graves and help care for the graves. Well, I know that um, there were also potentially problems with vandalism mm-hmm. because on um, at least on Salt Spring Island, yes. uh, there was a cemetery there mm-hmm. where there were problems of that happening. And I believe the Murakami family, when they returned after the war, that they were involved restoring those mm-hmm. sites yeah but one of the reasons why it's nice to go back if you can and if you're not going back for your own family just going back for the community and that's a big part of how victoria celebrates it as well i think is just not necessarily washing the graves of your ancestors but washing the graves of the nikkei who are buried there who don't necessarily have family there anymore mm-hmm. so bon, it's a party it's you know a time to have a beautiful tour of vancouver island if you're interested mm-hmm. or just gather at your local temple and afterwards there's quite often a festival and dancing and it's a time to be grateful yes the idea of gratitude is important it's not about being somber even though it's about the dead and it's about ghosts and it's not scary it's just enjoying life and living in gratitude to everyone who came before you Uh dance without worrying about how you look yeah dance without practicing live without practicing in the same spirit of this podcast, we don't really rehearse <laughs> this conversation. The expression that I had heard was, the dancers are foolish, the watchers are foolish, so you might as well dance. So, go out and dance. <laughs>